All of my life, I've known sorrow and loss. I, I wish my life had been different. I wish I'd done more with it. It all seems to have passed so quickly. Pharaoh, you ask me about my years. Here's what I would say. They are few and they are evil. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and we've been looking at the story of Joseph in a series entitled Snapshots of a Godly Life. But today, Colin, we're going to hear about another character, Jacob. Yes, his father Jacob, who was an old man when he finally got to uh, Egypt and uh, joined with Joseph, his whole family moved. Quite a traumatic move at a late stage in his life. And when he arrives, he uh, speaks to the Pharaoh himself. Clearly, he's quite miserable about his life. My years have been few and evil. You know, there will be folks listening to the program today, and you look back with a lot of regret. And Jacob's life was really tough. Uh, he faced a lot of hard stuff. But the good news here is that in a late season of his life, God worked in a wonderfully redemptive way and gave him some years where there was more blessing than he'd known in the past. And this is a great story of hope for a person who's filled with regret that comes straight out of the Bible today. So if you can, why don't you open your Bibles at Genesis chapter 46 and 47 as we hear more of the message, Kept and Carried. Here's Pastor Colin. What do you need to know in changing times? That God is always the same. That God always keeps his promises. And then here's the third thing that you need to know. That God is always with you. He is always with you. Look at verse 4. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. I'll go down with you. And I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Now look at this great promise. I will go down with you to Egypt. Jacob, here's what you need to hear from me right now. I will walk with you every step of the way into this new and unfamiliar world. I will be with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Don't be afraid to go down into this new chapter of life into which I am leading you. I will be with you. And then God says something fascinating here. And I will also bring you up again. Now, that is a remarkable statement for this reason that Jacob, of course, died in Egypt. We will see that later in the story. So what does God, who knows the end from the beginning, knows all things that will transpire, what is God referring to when he says, I will bring you up? Now, it could, of course, be that this refers to the fact that after Jacob died, Joseph carried his body all the way back to Canaan, so that his wish could be fulfilled, that his body would be buried with his fathers. But if the reference was to Joseph taking the body of his father back to Canaan after he died, the verse would naturally say, Joseph will close your eyes. That's what happens when a person dies. 
and then you will be brought up and buried with your fathers. But I want you to see, if you look closely at verse 4, that the order is different. In fact, it's precisely the opposite way around. God says, I will bring you up. And then he says, Joseph will close your eyes. Now, I believe that um, for that reason, that what we have here is a very wonderful, marvelous Old Testament glimpse into the experience of a believer, Old Testament or new, at the end of life. What is that experience? The New Testament makes it very clear. To be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So Jacob, do not be afraid. In life and in death, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when Joseph closes your eyes, you will already be up here with me. Now, when you think about it, I mean, everyone who has been by the bedside of a loved one in their last days and in their their last hours, this is your experience. You see, it is not that someone dies, that one of the Lord's people dies, and then God says, oh, oh dear, they've died. I, I I, I better bring them up. No, no. What happens? God at some point says, I'm bringing you up. And when God brings the soul of one of his own children up, our experience here by the bedside is to say, oh, he's gone. And then you close their eyes. That's what happens. And it's so beautifully depicted for us here. And we'll look more at this uh, next time from Hebrews in chapter 11. That makes it very, very clear that, that Jacob had genuine faith and shared the faith of Abraham in regards to a city whose builder and maker is God and that he glimpsed from afar the great things that were beyond the things of this earth. So that when Jacob was at his worst, he said... Oh, every day of my life's going to be sorrow until I go down to the grave, go down to Sheol. But by the end of his life, he had really grasped the promise of God, which is that one who is in him, before the eyes are closed, the Lord has already taken you into his nearer and his most marvelous presence. So here, friends, here's the unshakable foundation for the whole of your life. You can face anything with this. God is always the same. He always keeps his promises. He is always with you. He says, I'll go down with you into every new experience and all that's unfamiliar, I will be with you. And when the time comes, I will bring you up. He has everything that relates to your life and your death and your eternal future entirely secure in his hands. What a marvelous thing it is to be a child of God. And Jacob knew something of that, and we know so much more of it this side of the cross. So a very difficult journey, but an unshakable foundation that is renewed for this man as God ministers to him at this major transition of his life. And then there's a third thing that I want us to see here today, and it is the unexpected blessing that comes to this man, Jacob. 
And uh, the real surprise of this story is that God had a whole new and other chapter for Jacob that he clearly did not anticipate. The old man, chapter 47 and verse 28, tells us that he lived in Egypt for a further 17 years. And we'll again look at more of this uh, next week, but I am convinced and will try to make the case that the last season of his life was the most fruitful season of spiritual growth that had ever taken place in all of his life. Now, the fascinating thing here is that the old man did not expect this. He's an old man. He's going on a journey. He thinks it will be the last thing that he will do. He's been very sad for 20 years. He says, last verse of chapter 45, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now, you can't miss the sadness in these words. Joseph is alive, but my life's over now. I can't get back the 20 years where he hasn't been in my life. I'm an old man. I can't turn the clock back. So I'll go and see Joseph. I'm so glad to know that he's alive. But after that, I am done. Because there is no future beyond that for me. And it's fascinating to me that when the reunion between Jacob and Joseph takes place, it's like a kind of anti-climax. When the brothers come to Joseph, I mean, that's one of the most marvelous scenes in all of the Bible. You preach a whole series on that. I mean, it's just marvelous. And I was thinking in kind of sketching out this series, well, now there's definitely something with, uh, with, with Jacob coming and being reunited with Joseph. But when you look at it more closely, you say, well, what in the world is there to say about this? Look at it. It's in chapter 46 and verse 29. So here's Joseph's part that is wonderful. Joseph prepared his chariot and he went up to meet Israel, his father, Jacob, his father in Goshen. And he presented himself, huge occasion, to Jacob and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. That's Joseph's part. Now look at Jacob's part. Israel, that is Jacob, said to Joseph, imagine this, now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Really, dad? After 20 years, that's the best thing you can say to me? I mean, what about son? It is so good to see you. What about son? We must treasure every moment of every day that we now have. I haven't seen you for 20 years, dad, and the best you can say to me in this great moment of reunion is, now let me die. (laughs) And Joseph does not even answer. You know, the Bible says, do not answer a fool according to his folly. And what Jacob is speaking here actually is out of foolishness. And so Joseph very wisely doesn't try and address that. He just says to his brothers, you know what, let's go and we'll introduce you to Pharaoh and we'll we'll tell Pharaoh that dad's here and you're here. And uh, he just moves on. Now, what then emerges in the story is this, that having arrived in that rather miserable fashion, God has something better for Jacob, 
something much better than dying on arrival, which is clearly uh, what he had anticipated. And uh, again, chapter 47 and verse 28 tells us that Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for a further 17 years, 17 years he clearly never expected to have. You're listening to Open the Bible and a message called Kept and Carried, part of our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. And if you ever miss any of our programs, you can always go online, go back and listen to any of our earlier broadcasts or indeed listen to this one again. We'll get back to the message now. Here's Pastor Colin. Now, we will look again at this more detail next time, but I want you to see that these last years were indeed the most fruitful season of his life. And and here's why I say that. Jacob gives two testimonies. One he gives to Pharaoh when he arrives in Egypt. The other he gives 17 years later on his deathbed as he's in the process of blessing his sons and his grandsons. The two testimonies, 17 years apart, when he arrives in Egypt and then when he goes, is about to go and be with the Lord, the two testimonies could not be more different and therefore reflect the work of grace that God did in these 17 years that Jacob was given in Egypt. Now look at the two testimonies just briefly. The first is in chapter 47 and verse 7. So here's Jacob when he arrives and he's in his now let me die mode. He's introduced to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says to him, how many are the days of the years of your life? How old are you? You know. By the way, I like the way they say this. How many are the days of the years of your life? In other words, you count your life in days, not just years. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Every day is a gift from the Lord. And you have that very clearly here. So Pharaoh says, how many are the days of the years of your life? And look at the answer. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, here's his first testimony. The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. Now, you cannot miss the disappointment there. This is a very sad man. How old are you? Pharaoh says. Well, 130 years, but you know that's not much. Compared to my father and compared to my grandfather, the years of my life, they're, they're few. I don't really amount to much alongside either of them. And you know what, Pharaoh, if I was to pick one word that was to describe these few years that have been given to me that have passed all too quickly, the word that I would use to describe my years would be evil. Yeah, that's the word. All of my life, I've known sorrow and loss. I, I wish my life had been different. I wish I had done more with it. It all seems to have passed so quickly. Some of the memories of my past years and the things that I did are just with me all of the time. Pharaoh, you ask me about my years. Here's what I would say. They are few and they are evil. Now, this is obviously a man full of regret. 
But to Jacob's great surprise, thinking that this is going to be the end of his life and that he can only look back with sorrow and a sense of loss, God gives to him another 17 years. And he lives these 17 years in the company of Joseph, who always points us to Jesus. And look at what he says in his second testimony, then 17 years later. That's chapter 48 and verses 15 and 16. Verses 48, 15 and 16. And now he's imparting these blessings to his sons, his grandsons, and he blessed Joseph. And he said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long. Oh, that's different. To this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Notice the word. Bless the boys. Love that phrase. And in them let my name be carried on. You see the transformation here. It could not be more striking. Here's this man, Jacob, and he has arrived uh, in the presence of Joseph, full of regret. I look back on my years. They're few. They're evil. They're, they've passed too quickly. So much has been wasted. But now, after 17 years, he has a completely different view of his entire life. He says, now I see that God has been my shepherd, not only during these last 17 years. Actually, he's been my shepherd all along. And now I see that though I've experienced great evil and have come through many, many trials, that actually God is the one who has redeemed me from evil. So there's much more here than God giving Jacob an extra chapter at the end of his life, an extra 17 years thrown in, so to speak. No, during this time, there is a spiritual growth that happens in this man. And he comes to see that the good hand of God, who is his shepherd and is his redeemer, has been on his life all the way along. And a man who arrived in the presence of Joseph, full of regret, is a man who 17 years later looks back on his life and is able to testify to the shepherding and the redeeming of Almighty God. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't there hope here for a person who feels regret, who feels wasted years, who says, I can't get this and that back? Here's the last thing. Joseph always points us to Jesus. There is a loved and favored son of God, and he is the exalted Lord. And he is the savior. That's what Joseph is to the families, the savior, because when they come to him, their lives are saved. The food saves them from the famine and it's dispensed right from his hand. So he points us to the one who is the son and who is the exalted Lord and is the savior. And what that means is, and it's for this purpose that these stories are in the Bible, that you can look through the lens of what Joseph did for his father and for his brothers, and you can see what Jesus is able to do for you. So let me in this last minute just rerun the story using the name Savior instead of Joseph because he is the Savior and he points to the Savior. And let's ourselves, you stand in the place of Jacob. And instead of running the Joseph Savior of Jacob story, let's run the 
Jesus, Savior of you story. And it goes like this. The Savior says to you, come, like Joseph said to Jacob, come. I want you to come. I want you to come near to me. I want you to come quickly. I want you to come now. Do not tarry. You will be near me. And I will provide for you. When you first hear this message, your heart is numb. You do not believe that the Savior is alive. But when you hear all the Savior's words, and when you see the wagons that the Savior has provided, you agree to take this journey. You are carried to the Savior. The Savior welcomes you. The Savior rejoices over you. The Savior provides for you. When you come to the Savior, you are full of many regrets. You look back on the wasted opportunities of your life and how much has passed so quickly already. And you feel sometimes that your days have been few and that they have been evil. That too much has been lost and too much has been wasted. Too much of it is gone and you cannot get it back. But now living close to the Savior changes you. And over time, you come to see your life With all of its sadness and with all of its loss, you see it in a completely different light. And you are able to say, now God has been my savior and he is the one who redeems me from all evil. And when you come to the end of your life, it's the savior who gives you this marvelous promise, this solemn oath on which you can depend. It will be the Savior who closes your eyes in death. And it will be the Savior who carries you home. And with a Savior like that, you could face anything in life, couldn't you? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Pastor Colin Smith on Open the Bible with the message, Kept and Carried, part of our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. And if you ever miss any of the broadcasts, you can always go online, stream the broadcast, stream any earlier broadcasts, or indeed download them as an MP3 file for free. And if you've been blessed by today's message, or if you want to feedback any other comments or thoughts about the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email. It's hello at openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners, people like you. And if you want to help and support our work of bringing God's Word to folks all over the country, we would greatly value a regular donation each month. As our way of saying thank you when you set up a regular amount of £5 or more, we'd like to send you a copy of the book, You Can Trust God With Your Story, Embracing the Mysteries of Providence. It's by Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth and Robert Walgamuth. And Colin, who would you say this book's written for? Oh, I think it's for every person who has ever said, what in the world is God doing? And I think I think we've all asked that question many, many times. You know, you look at your life and you say, oh, if only something were different, if only I didn't have this illness, 
or if only I had a believing partner, if only I wasn't in this particular situation. And what we're really doing is we're asking a question about what it is that God is doing in a circumstance that we would not have chosen. And Robert and Nancy have written a marvelous book that reminds us that it is God who writes the story of his children's lives in all of the circumstances that we face. So, you know, you look down the contents page of this uh, book, chapters on, you can trust God when your marriage is in trouble. You can trust God when you're hard-pressed financially. You can trust God when you lose your health. You can trust God when your child breaks your heart. Each chapter is actually aimed at a particular circumstance. And what each chapter does is it shows how God works redemptively in every circumstance of life. It's a wonderful book. It's a joy to read. It's a book of stories. And I think it's going to be a marvelous help and encouragement to everyone who reads it. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book if you're able to set up a regular donation of £5 per month or more. You can find details of this offer on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Pastor Colin Smith and for me, David Pegg, I hope you'll be able to join us again next time on Open the Bible. This broadcast of Open the Bible was supported by our listeners. How can you be a blessing to a person who has more than you in this world? Find out next time on Open the Bible.